Good morning. We're glad you could join us here at Christian Fellowship Church today. My name is Graham Stewart, and I'd like to share a few thoughts with you before I return to my usual place behind the camera. Um, isn't that true what we just saw? These really are unprecedented times. It seems like in the span of just a few weeks, everything is different, and it feels like something is always changing, whether that's the way we travel or do business or even the way we interact with one another. But the church has not changed. Yes, it looks a little different than it did at the beginning of the year, and the way we gather together is certainly different. Uh, but what we do has not changed, and the gospel we preach has not changed. And most importantly, the God we serve and the God we worship has not changed, and he will not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in a time where it seems like everything is changing and nothing is certain, God provides for us that firm foundation that we can stand on in any difficult time. And before I go on, I do want to acknowledge another tragedy that is being felt in our part of the world. Uh, today we are thinking of and praying for the friends and families of six members of the Canadian Armed Forces who were um, tragically lost at sea earlier this week, including Captain Brendan MacDonald, who was from right here in New Glasgow. Uh, so would you just take a moment and join with me in prayer? God, we, uh, we thank you for who you are, and we just thank you for your goodness. Uh, thank you for the goodness that you show toward us. God, today I pray for the communities uh, that are in mourning and for those who have been affected uh, by this tragic accident and for those who have been affected by the uh, murders of almost two dozen people less than two weeks ago. God, I pray that each of them would experience uh, the comfort and peace that you give as our loving Father. And God, I also remember those who are on the front lines of this pandemic, uh, the doctors, the nurses, the first responders. I ask that you would continue to keep them safe and give them the strength to serve those who are suffering from the coronavirus. And God, for all who are struggling during this difficult time, I just pray that we would all find peace and rest in you and through this, um, that we would come to know you more. And I ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to let you know about a few things that will be happening at Christian Fellowship Church this week. Uh, first, for the kids, today at 1 o'clock, Sunday school will be happening again. Uh, last week, Greg and Betty put together a really fun lesson for you. And I'm sure they have another one in store for you today. So you can come back to the YouTube channel at 1 o'clock and take part in that. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. On Tuesday at 7 o'clock, Joanna Goodine will be continuing her Alpha series. And if you're not familiar with Alpha, we all have questions about faith and God and life. And Alpha is a place where we can all get together and explore and work through some of those difficult questions and start to work out um, some of the answers to them. And again, that's happening this Tuesday at 7 p.m., and on Thursday, Farah Solomon will be posting um, some study notes and a study guide that will accompany the message you'll be hearing from Pastor Bruce in just a few minutes. And you can find both of those on our website at christianfellowship.ca. And I also want to make sure you're aware of our 24-7 prayer line. The number is on display at the bottom of the screen. So if at any time you are struggling or you want somebody to pray with you, you can call 782 233 
9898 and someone will be there to take your call to talk with you and pray with you. So that's all I have for now. In a moment, we'll be hearing from Pastor Bruce as he brings us part three of his series from the book of Habakkuk. This one is called The Future. And in uncertain times like these, it, um, it's easy to wonder where is God or what is God doing? And in the book of Habakkuk, uh, we find some of the answers to those questions. So in just a moment, you'll hear from Pastor Bruce as he continues to walk through that book with us and help us to find the answers to some of those questions. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our church service this morning. And today is the third in the series of a group of messages on the book of Habakkuk. And today the title is The Future. And Habakkuk had a lot to say about the future. And we certainly need to hear what the Bible says, what the Word of God says about the future. The present has got a lot of trouble in it for sure. Uh, but what about the future? What about tomorrow? And what are the things that determine our futures personally, individually, as well as that uh, as a group, as a church, if you will, a, a community, a nation, or even the whole world? Well, I'm going to review a few things with you. First of all, in the very opening of the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk asks a question of God, which seems rather unusual for a prophet, because that's what he was. He had heard God speak to him many times before, but he says this in verse 2 of chapter 1, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Habakkuk lived in a perilous time. A marauding Chaldean army was invading Judah and Jerusalem, and it didn't look like much hope. They were a formidable force, and he saw violence and injustice and war and became very cynical as to why didn't God stop this? Why didn't God do something? Well, one of the things we learned from this is that God does invite our questions. He doesn't just say, just believe me and don't ask any questions, just uh, you know, just leave all everything to me. He, he welcomes our questions. He welcomes yours and mine this morning. And for Habakkuk, his questions, this question, and another one he asked later, led him on a journey of discovery. And I pray today that you will embark on a, a journey of discovery along with Habakkuk and, and track with him through some very wonderful things that he said in this book. Well, God answered Habakkuk's question in verses 5 to 6 of chapter 1, and he said, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. Well, this shocked Habakkuk because this was the group he was afraid of. They were the most formidable force in the whole earth at that time. And it was like, God, why, why would you do that? Are you saying that evil is better than good? Uh, this is a greater injustice to use uh, and to bless a, a group like these Babylonians, these Chaldeans that were coming in to attack us. Uh, if that's what you're saying, God, then the only conclusion I can draw is that it's better to take than it is to give. The very opposite to what spiritual dynamics are about. And he, he just was really baffled. But as 
he started to learn. God was more concerned about the evil that was in Judah and Jerusalem, in God's people, in the Israelites, than he, than he really was about anything else. And so this marauding Babylonian Chaldean army was really an instrument to bring correction. And uh, we learned something about the importance of that through this, uh, through this journey with Habakkuk. So Habakkuk doesn't give up on God. He doesn't say, okay, look, I'm done, I'm finished. And instead of that, he says this in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts, and I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm going to give to this complaint. Well, he, he, his, his uh, response to God is really an honest inquiry. I'm not giving up. I'm going to just uh, put myself in a position where I might be able to see things a little differently, where I might see things from a more objective stance, that I might see things as God sees them. And so he says, I'll, I'll look to see what he says to me. He wanted to position himself in a place where he could see things that aren't discerned or understood naturally, but take a person into an elevated place where the spirituality of God comes into play. He wanted to be able to look above the common beliefs that people had about God. And, uh, well, does that ever apply today? There's all kinds of ideas about God, whether he even exists to start with, or if he does, does he care? Does he really intervene in the affairs of people? Well, one of the things that's happening today, uh, according to research, is that more people are Googling prayer than ever before. In fact, as the coronavirus plague increases, so too does questions about prayer or Googling, if you will, prayer. What, what, does, what can you find on Google or other search engines about prayer? And so there is a, a longing in the hearts of people to understand things from a, a perspective that is not just the natural, if you will, the natural sphere or the terrestrial sphere, the things of earth, but to understand things as God says them. So the Lord says this to him in chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. The Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. So God was going to do something. What he was doing would be revealed or understood, but it was for an appointed time. He says it speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come, and do not delay. An appointed time. Well, the Bible says a lot about an appointed time. In fact, one verse says it is appointed unto a person, a man or a woman, to die. And after that, the judgment. And so there are consequences to the way we live. And there is an appointed time for all of us to leave this earth, to die. And what then? And those are questions that people are asking today. Well, God, well, God certainly has a lot to say about appointed times in the Bible. 
in uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, uh, it says this, when the fullness of time had come, so this appointed time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that they might receive the adoption of sons. So there was an appointed time for Jesus to be born. There was an appointed time for Jesus to die and to rise again. And part of that, wonderfully, is that this appointed time for Jesus to come, to die, to rise again, to ascend into heaven, is so that we might be able to be free from the judgments of God because we've broken the law and we've sinned and we've distanced ourselves from him. But he's come to give us adoption as sons. So he doesn't condemn us, but he adopts us as sons and daughters, his own special children. And actually, today is that appointed time. It's a time that for people everywhere to turn their their face toward God and to put their trust in him. Today, the Bible says, is the accepted time to receive Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. So the Bible says a lot about an appointed time. And I believe with all my heart, this is an appointed time for all of us, for you listening this morning, for our church, but much more than that, for the entire world around us. The Bible says there's an appointed time for the return of Jesus. He's coming again. And Jesus said this about that in Matthew 24, verse 36 to verse 39. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So in other words, there's a point, an appointed time that even Jesus, as the Son of Man, did not know when it would happen, but only God the Father. And then Jesus went on to say, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Well, that's a very, a very powerful and in many ways disconcerting scripture. Uh, Manoah was a preacher of righteousness, and he preached for 120 years, and, and yet the people of his day ignored him. They didn't turn away from the wicked lives they were living or the sin that they were, that they were doing. They mocked and laughed at Noah. He just seemed to be an extremist, after all, building a huge, huge ship on dry land. But then suddenly the rain started coming and eventually it took all the people away. And Jesus said, so it will be at the time of the coming of the Son of Man. In other places, the Bible says that he will come as a thief in the night. We won't know when he's coming, but be sure of this, he's coming. And the future, the wonderful future of God is not dependent upon the political systems of this world or the economic systems of this world or the plagues that might beset this world and cause so much consternation and pain and suffering and death. But there is a future that is bright, a future that is based upon the promise of God that one day Jesus would come back. And, and it's so absolutely wonderful to be ready for his return. 
Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, God says to, says, uh, see, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. So God himself and Habakkuk himself contrasts the difference between a person who's unrighteous or commits evil and a person who lives righteously. Well, of course, righteously doesn't mean a person's never made a mistake. No, righteousness comes as a gift to us. And we talked about that last week. Justification is a gift that is given to us freely. And one description of that is that it's just as though you never sinned. Well, obviously we all did, but to say it's just as though we didn't, is only possible if Jesus actually took our sin and paid the price or the punishment for the evil that we did. And he, of course, has done that. And so he gives us this wonderful opportunity to be righteous, upright. Well, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. The fruit of righteousness is the found in the way that we live. And then when he says the enemy is puffed up, it, it's this is a, a person who, um, in his inner being, uh, is not straight or right. He, he 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 himself is crooked or herself is crooked and twisted. Uh, it, this is a part of the soul. This is what causes a person to one day be nice and the other day be cruel. Um, one day to be very, very wonderful to his wife or children, and the next day to be abusive, or so many other ways in which evil is perpetrated in our world and in our families. Outwardly, that type of person uh, is conceited, self-centered, serves self-interests, and the world is full of that. And that's a, the Bible talks about a crooked and perverse generation. But the righteous person is straight. Uh, it's a, an inner condition of the heart. He, he doesn't waver, but, but lives a straight life. But Jesus, Jesus said that uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So by following Jesus and living for Jesus and living with his power and enablement, enablement helping us to live every day, we live a straight life. Now imagine if I said to you, uh, what w- would you think, uh, describe to me a straight stick. Well, you might say a straight stick is one without any curves. And that would be absolutely true. If there was a curve or more than one curve, you couldn't say it was straight. But if I said, imagine a crooked stick. Well, then every person that was asked that question would conjure up something just a little different. The crookedness would take all kinds of shapes and and forms and uh, it would, everybody's, everybody's definition was just a little different. Well, it's like that. The, the ways of, of the world, the ways that our life apart from God can be twisted in so many different ways. It can be so unlike the way we're create, we were created to act in, a, in, in what we can say is a straight, honest relationship with God that, isn't, that manifests itself not just in our uh, fellowship with God, but with our fellowship and our treatment of each other. So 
crookedness can be many for, take many forms, but straightness or a true life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That way, that is a straight way. And Isaiah talked about that in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 35, and he said there's a way that, that even a person without any knowledge can find it because it's made very clear. Uh, even in, when that way is in the wilderness, he says. Well, this next verse uh, is actually set in a number of verses that I won't take time to look at uh, with you today, but it follows in the, in the verses between Habakkuk chapter 4 and Habakkuk chapter 14, and then past Habakkuk chapter four, uh, 2 verse 14, where so many perverse ways of the wicked are described, the kinds of people that the Babylonians were. And so it it's just really a troubling passage, except for this, it's more than a nugget. It's a profound statement. It's like, wow, it just stands out among all the rest of the verses. It says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The earth will be filled, not with all the perversion and wickedness and marauding armies, but there's coming a time when the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge, the awareness. And knowledge actually means an intimate knowledge, not just knowing some facts, but having a relationship have with the person about whom it's being it's being spoken of and so that person of course is god it's jesus it's the holy spirit who is present and so there's an intimate knowledge that god invites us to experience with him and it's the knowledge of the glory of the lord and, and the idea of glory is his character his attributes who he is and what he does so the glory of the Lord becomes pervasive. There's a future day when that will take place. The future is not determined by what we've seen in the past or what might presently exist with all of its trouble. But the future is, is incredibly as wonderful as what we've just read. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, this is kind of a cute thing. <laughs> Uh, when I lived in Newfoundland, one of the uh, my friends said to me, he said, you know, he said there was these two guys on a ship at sea and they were standing beside each other on the rail and uh, at the side of the ship. And they were looking out as far as they could see, nothing but water, no land anywhere. And the one man said, have you ever seen so much water? And the other said, well, yeah, and that's nothing. All we're seeing is the top. Well, as cute as that is, it's so true about the glory of the Lord and the, and the knowledge that we have. We might see glimpses of it now, but the Bible tells us that it has not entered into the heart or the mind of, of a person what God has in store for them who love him. So the future is more than I can describe for sure. The future is absolutely glorious beyond what my mind or yours or anybody's could really see or imagine or express. Well, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord existed at creation before there was any sin. And so we read in the very 
beginning of the, 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 the account of the human family that mankind had a wonderful relationship with the knowledge of God. There was an intimate knowledge with God, Adam and Eve fellowship with him personally, and also with the creation that was unencumbered by any curse. We see that at creation. We also see that in the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, 3 to 4, it says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Well, that's amazing. He says that the problem with spirituality is not that people don't have an intuitive awareness of God, but the problem is our minds, how we've been conditioned to think, all of the negativity that invades us uh, when it comes to God or his church or the gospel. And Paul is clear that the force behind that blindness is the God of this age. In other words, Satan himself, who purposes by whatever means he can to blind our minds so that we will not be able to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Well, he can shine that light on us today. And I pray that as we are going through this passage in Habakkuk, you will be experiencing even now that glory shining on you by the Holy Spirit, bringing to your knowledge and awareness the possibilities for your own relationship with God, or if you are a follower of Jesus, an enhancement by the Holy Spirit today in the midst of these troubling times of just how awesome he is and how he's provided for you. Well, Habakkuk goes on to pray in chapter 3. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So as Habakkuk looks to the future and how glorious it is, he brings it to the present as well. And he said, I stand in awe of your deeds. Please repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And all around the world today, the church is praying that prayer. There are leaders of churches. There are people in congregations. There are followers of Christ from every land that are crying out that prayer to God. Oh, God, will you show yourself again, your awesome deeds, in our day? And we need that to happen in two ways. First of all, we need revival. And revival is something for the church. Revival means something that was alive has drifted into sleep or has just gone away or just forsaken the principles that they once knew that were so important to them in the relationship with God and the propagation of the gospel in the world. And do we need revival? Yes, we do. Is God generating that in our time? Yes, I believe it is. I believe this is an appointed time for that. But also, the world needs something else, not revival. The Bible tells us 
that if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're actually dead in your transgressions and your sins. What the world needs is an awakening, an awareness that there's more to this life than what you can experience right now. There's more to this life that you can, than you can experience outside of God right now is what I meant to say. There's a, there's something that God wants to do in your life. And I'll just go into the last passage of scripture because it describes that. You remember that, uh, and this is Habakkuk 3, verse 17 to 19. You remember how it all began in Habakkuk. God, why don't you answer my prayer? And then, and then he came to an awareness. Well, maybe I'm just being uh, too close-minded about God, and I need to have a more objective perspective. And so I'm going to go on the ramparts and watch, and I'll listen for what God is going to say. And so he does that, and, and he comes up with that profound statement that just shall live by faith. And then the, the most wonderful statement about the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so we have these, these amazing statements that he's making. And then the prayer, God, you've done it before. Will you do it again in our day? Will you reveal yourself to us? Will you pour out your spirit upon us, upon your church? And may it so influence the world that tens of millions turn to you at this time to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. Well, here's what he says. It began with a question. It ends with a song. This is one of the most wonderful songs that you'll find in all the Bible. In fact, at the very end of this song, Habakkuk says, I'm giving this to the director of music. So that's the worship leader of the people of God. And he says, on my stringed instruments. So apparently, Habakkuk knew how to play stringed instruments. And so he he was praising this. He was singing. He was celebrating what he was saying through music and no doubt uh, every possible expression of his heart. And this is what he says. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Well, (laughs) what a powerful song that is. He talks about joy. Joy is more than happiness that depends upon some kind of outside stimuli. Uh, It's more than a state of mind or emotion. Uh, Happiness is just transient. It's here for a while. We celebrated uh, the Toronto Raptors winning the NBA uh, title not too long ago, uh, just last year. And then we... Uh, know how happy people were, the celebrations were everywhere. But that's something that doesn't last. This year, there was supposed to be at least uh, another championship, and somebody else may very well have won it. So uh, anything that makes us happy in this world, as uh, jubilant as we might feel about something, it has a tendency to pass away. But joy is more than that. It's more than a state of mind, or it's more than a state of emotion, an emotional experience. Joy is a spiritual reality. 
that goes deep within the person's being. Joy is something that is a gift from God. The Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is not things that we possess. It's not what we eat or drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy. And Habakkuk is expressing this in this song. The joy of the Lord. I, I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be I will uh, be joyful in God, my Savior. So he's rejoicing because God is his strength. The Sovereign Lord is my strength, he says, and God is my Savior. Wow, uh, the God. The Lord is my strength. He's stronger than the forces that come against me. He's stronger than the battles I have in my mind or the addictions that I have or the trouble I feel or the threat that I experience because of all that's happening to me. Lots of people today are, are depressed because of confinement and uh, the loss of income and just so many different things that are happening right now because of this pandemic. So there are a lot of things that assault us when it comes to the our feelings, our, our thoughts. But there is a strength that elevates us above that. There is an inner spiritual reality called the joy of the Lord. And it's for you today. And it's for me. It's for everyone listening. It's for the whole world. If, the, if, if people just simply believe on Jesus. I will be joyful in God, my strength, and my Savior. Well, <laughs> salvation is the most electrifying source of joy you can possibly have because it brings you into connection with Jesus. It forgives you of your sins. It cleanses you from the things that are unrighteous, the Bible says. It gives you a whole new life. Yeah, there still might be battles, but you have a source, a resource to draw upon to help you win those battles, to overcome the dreads and the fears of the day, or whatever else may assail you. And he says this, He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. My feet like the feet of a deer. Tread on the, on, on the heights. So a deer swift. It's able to climb the sides of hills and mountains. So it elevates itself above the perils that are below, the perils that could destroy him or her. The feet of the deer. He enables me to tread on the heights because he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. Well, That's for us today. God gives you hope. He gives you an outlook that is greater than any other outlook you can have from any other source. And whenever you feel threatened, whenever you feel discouraged, whenever uh, there's temptation to sin or just whatever, God is able to take you, make your feet like the feet of a deer and cause you to climb the heights that he has made possible for us and that we can live there, that we can tread on them. There is nothing that the enemy has planned against you 
that God has not already, through his grace and strength, made possible for you to overcome. You're not a victim. You're an overcomer. You're not defeated. You're victorious in the name of Jesus. I'm going to just uh, pray right now. And uh, afterwards, Graham is going to come back and share some thoughts and a prayer with you. But before that, we're going to show a video that is called Hope. But allow me to pray, if you would. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the journey that Habakkuk went on, a journey from despair to praise, a journey that caused him to track through so many of the issues that we track through today in our own lives. These are actually timeless, true of all people everywhere of all times. And we see them end in the glorious song of praise where he just simply gives himself to the worship of God, to worshiping you because of your promises and because of your enablements, even in this present hour. I pray for any person here this morning that has never started that journey of faith, that they will put their trust and faith in Jesus today. I pray for any follower of Christ, any member of this church that's discouraged or despondent, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we just pray that the feet of deer would be put underneath them and they would be lifted to the heights of confidence and assurance and victory. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God, I'm broken. I've spent my life dishonoring you. Years of turning my back to you. Time and time again, I put myself before you, and yet I have the nerve to act like you owe me something. But I am nothing. Just a speck in the middle of the universe, just a tiny dot that could be wiped away in the blink of an eye, and yet you see me. You see my heart. You see my pain. You see my need for hope, my need for love, my need for a savior. But you alone are king. And I recognize now that I can't do this on my own. I recognize that without you, I am nothing. And I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm asking for hope. Jesus, I am asking for you to save me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation. Create a pure heart and renew a right spirit within me. Take away my sin and make me like you. Jesus, be my hope. Be my joy. Be my strength. Be my king. I hope you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. I know I was. I really like what it says at the end of Habakkuk because it is so relevant to what we see in our world today. Even though the fig trees have no fruit and no grapes grow on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no grain, even though the sheep all die and the cattle stalls are empty, I will still be joyful and glad because the Lord God is my Savior. The Sovereign Lord gives me strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer and keeps me safe. 
on the mountains. And we could easily put all the troubles we see in the world today in that passage. And it might read something like this. Even though the stock market is crashing and the economy is failing, and even though this disease is still spreading, and even though I don't know when things will go back to normal, or if they ever will go back to normal, I will still be joyful and glad because the Lord God is my savior. Even though all this stuff is going on, I can still have joy and a sure footing. Jesus told the story of two men. Uh, they both built a house, but one built it on sand and one built it on solid rock. And we find that story in Matthew 7:24. It says this, so then anyone who hears these words of mine and obeys them is like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain poured down, the rivers flooded over, and the wind blew hard against that house, but it did not fall because it was built on rock. So what Jesus is saying is that he is the only sure foundation. And today we see just how flimsy the systems that we rely on really are. And maybe that's how you feel. You're thinking that in the midst of all this uncertainty, you need something that you can be sure of. I need something that's solid. Jesus offers what you are looking for. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, you can do so today. No matter what you've done or no matter what your past looks like, he offers complete forgiveness and he will make you right with God. He offers a peace and a security that don't come and go with the ups and downs of the stock market or the economy. And one day he offers that you will have eternal life with him forever. There are no magic words. You can just pray something very simple. You can pray along with me right now if you'd like to. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a savior. And I acknowledge that I need to build my life on something that is sure. And today I choose to put my trust in you. I thank you that you died and rose again so that my sins could be forgiven and that I could be made right with God. So Jesus, today I choose to follow you. Help me to live for you. Amen. The Bible says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. So if you prayed that prayer, I hope that you'll take advantage of some of the resources that we have on our church website. We're constantly posting new uh, devotionals and study guides to help you to get to know God and get to know his word, the Bible, better. Once we begin gathering again, we hope that uh, you would come join us or find another church in your area where you can uh, continue to grow on that faith journey. And I just want to remind you about that prayer line as well. If you want somebody who can pray with you, again, the number's on the bottom of the screen, 782-233-9898. Someone's there 24 hours a day who will be willing to talk with you and pray with you. God bless you.
Michelle.